Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I've got clients that they want to buy a million dollar house, but they can't afford it. So what you do is you buy investments on the side. You buy two free investments so that when the market does go up, you can sell those properties, take out some cash, and buy your home. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Taran Shum, and in this episode, we continue the conversation with Hang Hong as he talks about the right mindset needed when looking to buy investments why investing in areas with a temporary stigma may be the better option and why sometimes the best strategy isn't the biggest. Thinking back to when he purchased his first property in South Strathfield, Hong talks about whether or not that held him back from making that first buy. I was at that age, I was... You know, before that happened, I was still working in, in the banks earning, you know, $50,000, $60,000, so basic wage. Um, it was just really just trying to get into the property market. Um, I don't think anything really helped. Look, the, the hardest thing was having a deposit, um, even back then. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people now are having issues with deposits, living um, expenditures a lot higher than what it used to be. So I was lucky enough to have mum and dad guarantee me to be able to leverage myself into the first purchase. He also explains that he didn't have to save up for a deposit due to using his parents' house as leverage. I used mum and dad to back me up. So mum and dad used their house to support the purchase for me. So I was able to, to, to purchase in with 100% lending and there was no stamp duty. Because mum and dad backed me up with their property, there's no more insurance. It gets done, it gets done at an 80% lend. I was very lucky. Um, and from there, the equity went up and then I was able to leverage into that and then also working hard also then start saving up a lot more deposit. Living at home allows you to save a lot. More on the mindset side of things, Hong delves into whether or not there were specific mentors that guided him on his successful property investing journey. Because of working in the finance game, I kept dealing with so many clients that had five properties or 10 properties or people that already paid off their properties. So they, I would learn and speak to them and, and it's, it, it, it would be proven because talking to clients that have already six properties and there's a 50% LBR, they did something right. The biggest thing I got from them was to start as early as you can. Some people like to say, oh, I'm going to wait for the market to drop and everything. Everyone that I spoke to that has a large portfolio started when they were like 20, 21. They bought their the first property because they weren't looking at a quick uh, buy and sell and flip in six to 12 months. Those days are long, long gone. They were going to always hold it for a long, long time. So if you buy a property at the age of 21, uh, 21, 22, if possible, that was always the, the best way to do it. And then they, they just kept 
saving and buying more. Because once you buy the first one, you see how it's easy to, to handle it. You keep saving and go for the second one. And it becomes a slight addiction. Hong also provides insight into how people found areas for potential growth and where he is fond of purchasing in. When Sydney went through the roof quickly already, what did people do? People went out to Wollongong, they went to Newcastle, they went to Queensland, and then they came back. They found the areas where there was potential growth. So it's you, you do your best. Or if you, at the end of the day, um, I'm a big fan of Sydney. If you can get into Sydney, just buy it because in five to ten years' time, it's always going to make money. On another note, Hong also explains that while he's read some books that have made him knowledgeable about property investing, a lot of what he's learned has come from experience. I never really read any property books um, because I was always working in the industry. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of the stuff that I've got in my head was um, just experience based and, and talk and dealing with their clients and their, their finances. I haven't read too many books. I've, I've, uh, I always get given books to read. I just read cartoon, like I watch cartoons and stuff, that's probably the best thing I do. Sharing his knowledge with us, Hong provides us the best advice he's received while providing real-life examples of why it worked. I think one of the best ones is always try, try to stay along the train lines if we're looking at an investment. Oh, actually the biggest one for an investment is it can't be personal, it's got to be all numbers. So a lot of people that purchase investment properties might walk into a property and go, oh, I don't like the color, I don't like this, I don't like that. That's something you shouldn't look at. It should be pretty much the price, the rental yield, the potential of the area of more population coming through, um, and, and the train lines. Um, the, 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 like I said, one of my best investments, as you can see, I've always stuck near the train lines, and one of the best uh, investments was in like Cabramatta. Cabramatta, year on year, just keeps increasing. The rental... A vacancy in that area is one or two percent, and the reason why I like Cabramatta, it reminds me of the Albans, the Lakembas. Um, I'm stop short of me sounding very racial at the moment, but anywhere that's got a cultural feel, <laughs> as, as as its own cultural, uh, how do I say, culture hub, culture village. So it could be an ethnicity, a religious area. They're fucking great because there's going to be people coming from overseas. So this is one, one example I'll say of Karamata. Karamata is, is basically the Vietnam, Vietnam town, Chinatown. When, when a Vietnamese person comes overseas to Australia, they, they land usually in certain areas, Marrickville, Karamata, Bankstown. So you've got a new person coming there, that's where they're going to stay. If their English isn't that great, then they're going to be working in that area. They're going to be renting in that area. So rents, it's got its own organic rent. Now, when they finally save up money, the only area, the area they can buy is in the same area. So you've got a renter, you've got a purchaser, you've got a long-term person. And as they buy the units, they can progress and keep working and save them by house. Those areas are still some of the cheapest areas in Sydney, but they've gone up severely. So now the, my next my next spots that I believe are great, and actually one's already gone, Campbelltown, Minto, and Glenfield. That bottom line has gone through the, gone through a lot more now because of the Leppington, the Badgerys Creek, and the airport's gone off. So any anywhere area we're saying earlier has a stigma. It's fucking great um, because other people don't want to invest. It means the price is still going to be low. Um, uh, what you call there's um, that area Wayland and stuff just just near the Blacktown area. You know there is uh, probably still like a bit of a, a drug issue around those kind of areas, but they will clean up one day. You know Redfern was a shit area. Waterloo was a shit area. Balmain back in the '60s was a hippie area. 
So all these areas will get cleaned up at one stage and they blossom and the locals are there. Additionally, he provides us with insight into why attempting to purchase in already established areas as opposed to one where the temporary stigma can have its downsides. If you go off and try to buy in the established areas right now like Chatswood, Rhodes or Wentworth Point, there's a million units there. They're all fucking a million dollars. You know, so it's you're not gonna make a million dollars million you're gonna make you're not gonna make two million dollars for a million dollars. I not not for the next twenty, thirty years. Unless the market goes absolutely crazy. Um, so you've got to find where you can afford. You've got to find what suits your situation. On a more personal note, Hong states that it is his efficiency in open communication with his clients that has contributed to both his own success and the success of those he works with. One of the biggest things we're trying on about as well is when um, I get emails, I'll respond to an email in a couple of minutes. So whatever I'm doing, so clients can have full conversations with me in a very, very quick time span. Being a workaholic, waking up early, like I'm usually up around five, six o'clock in the morning and I've answered all my emails for the day. So by the time eight o'clock hits and everyone's starting to doze on into their work life, I, I'm ready to reply back and you know talk and liaise with all my clients very quickly. So efficiency is important. Coming up after the break, we'll be back with Hong as he talks more about his property investing strategy. I'm the numbers net on that side of things and a director and a business partner. What he would tell himself if he could go back 10 years in time. It all comes down to you. If you're ready to buy a property and you can get a loan, you can do all that, just get it. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, then register your interest at propertyinveststory.com. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and I only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, visit propertyinveststory.com. Now back to the show. With a building license in hand and the ability to successfully expand his own portfolio, Hong takes a moment to talk about the property investing strategy from the building perspective. From, from the building side of things, truthfully, I don't have too much involvement. Um, I, I, I'm the numbers net on that side of things and uh, a director and a business partner. Um, I do have the final say and uh, the one big thing I've kept with us is that we've always kept small. So I've never wanted to build more than four townhouses or a duplex. The bigger the projects have always been uh, a lot more money, a lot more, it's a lot, a bit, a lot scarier, a lot more moving parts. Never thought about going into units in any way, shape or form. But duplexes, it's it, every, every, every day people that aren't in the finance of the building game can still make a bit of money from duplexes. You find the land, you build it, you can load it off, make an extra 50, 100 grand a year on top of your normal income. That's great. And you can continue to keep rolling that. You don't have to be greedy and run off and try to build units of town. As I've seen people make massive mistakes, going, Hank, I want to build 10, you know, 20 units here. Your income's only like, you know, $100,000 a year. How are you going to do this? Oh, but the builder can do this. They get sold. That they can be, that it can be done. Stick small, work your way up. So the, the one of the best ways with one of my clients is that we started about four years ago and I was like, he went off and just built duplexes. 
right? And every six months, he'll flip a duplex over. So he'd buy, just as we're ready to go through that. He was making about $120,000 per duplex. This is going back four years ago. By the time his third duplex came back, all he needed from me was money to buy the land because he had four or $500,000 cash now from the profits from the last three, three properties. So after the fourth property, yeah, he just used his own money. And then by, by the time, I think it was about two years ago, he didn't need my finance anymore because, Hank, I've got a million dollars in there that just constant that I can build. And he just keeps building duplexes, makes hundred grand a year, but he's just using his own money at his own leisure, so therefore doesn't pay interest. He's more aggressive with the builders. It's, it's, it's all about taking steps to where you want to be. I've got clients that they want to buy a million-dollar house, but they can't afford it. So what you do is you buy investments on the side. You buy two free investments so that when the market does go up, you can sell those properties, take out some cash, and buy your home. If you can't hit it straight, take a couple of steps to it. Keeping in mind Hong's advice that the best way to gain success is to work your way up. He clarifies what type of areas he generally looks at investing and developing into. We were lucky enough to pick up enough uh, sites in the last couple of years. We haven't picked up any sites for the last two years because the prices have been, even three years, the prices have been through the roof. Like everyone that thinks they can sell their property with a DA approval is selling the property for an extra two, three hundred grand. The property should be only worth eight hundred, but they're going, it's worth a million dollars. So the, the meat and the sandwich isn't there. But we were able to pick up lots of properties four or five years ago and they've just been sitting in there, renting themselves up, but being ready to, or when we're ready to go, to start building here and there. So it was a more of a kind of pick-me-up game before then, then rolling through uh, buildings, uh, selling, building, selling. We're just trying to pick up cheap spots. Like I said, all, all these areas that I mentioned a bit earlier, we picked up houses. You know, they're, they're just sitting there. We picked them up back in the day for 500 grand. They're probably worth about maybe 800 now. But the, the, the potential that we're going to build later on, they're all just sitting there waiting. He also sheds light onto where he sees the current residential market going in the near future. If you've got the money and you've been saving and waiting, the next 12 months is when you're going to be able to get in. Um, and the, the reason I say that is you, you can see it in the numbers already. Auction rates at the moment are sitting at 52%. When we were at that peak, uh, it was like 92%. So everything that was going on. And that's 52%, not based on the amount of numbers that we used to put, see on the market. There's only maybe three or four properties in each suburb going up. So there, there, there's no properties on the market. The um, the prices are all dropping back down. What everyone should be – this is not advice. This is just my personal opinion. So this is Hank waving his white flag and waver and everything. Don't blame me. Yeah, we right? won't hold you to that. <laughs> so, so in the next 12 months, what's going to happen is, unfortunately, a lot of people might suffer. And when I say suffer is because a lot of interest-only loans – this is coming from the finance side. Interest-only loans, people that would have had them for three to four years or five years, they might be coming off principal and interest. Where this is going to hurt is people that have multiple investment properties that were all interest only will flip over the principal and interest so their repayments will pretty much you know, nearly double. Their rent is still the same and because there's so many properties in the market now, rent is going to be competitive so it's not going to be as high as it used to be. In combination to that, the, 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 the guy that has lots of properties or has been paying interest only won't be able to refinance his loan back to principal. Uh, sorry, go to principal. He won't be able to refinance his loan back to interest only because the banks have tightened up severely on their lending. So you're going to be holding four or five properties. So these guys are going to have to offload their properties. Now, offloading those properties in a downturn market means they're not going to get top dollar. 
what that means is people that have been held out the market for the last two, three, four, five years due to, uh, I guess, the, the overseas influence and the, the amount of market that we've been going at low rates, it's your chance to get in. So a lot of people will sit there and go, oh, I'm just going to wait for the market to bottom out. No one knows when it's going to bottom out. If you're in a position and you can see something that you can buy and you're happy with, buy it. it will, we're in a great market. It's not the same market as it was in the last two to three years. Pick it up. It might drop down another 10%, but so what? It will flick back up at one stage because everyone's waiting. And then the problem is that once it hits the bottom, FOMO kicks in and everyone goes, fuck, we've got to start rushing. Further explaining the after effects of this frenzy, Hong advises us what he thinks one should do regardless of the current market. Then the market will shoot back up and when the market shoots back up, it's going to go gangbuster. Yeah, it's too late. So then you've got people in the, you know, you've got the finance guy saying it could take two to three years. You've got guys saying that one year, you've got guys saying it's six months. I can safely say a lot of people that have predicted the crash in the last five years have predicted wrong. Every single year they said it would crash. Yeah, Australia didn't crash for eight years, nine years. Not since the GFC, we've been fucking killing it. It all comes down to you. If you're ready to buy a property and you can get a loan, you can do all that, just get it. I didn't think about the market when I bought my first property. I just thought, look, it's time. I can handle repayments. Let's do it. You're going to get your first one. That's when you can leverage to your second one. Moreover, he provides insight into the state of the Australian market. All over Australia has the same markets. It has the same, it's, it's same thing. So if you pull Sydney up, Sydney usually goes first and then everyone else after that trickles behind and then it's a cycle. This is, this is nothing new. This is just a standard cycle story. Um, same as Sydney. If you pull up the city, then everything afterwards goes up in value. Once the middle of the city goes up, then it hits the end back in the Blue Mountains, and then it starts up again. It's all over Australia. Same markets. Whilst being ever grateful for where he is now, Hong spills the details on what advice he would have given himself 10 years ago. I would say... Um, don't, don't invest into those, uh, those, those shares and those companies that you thought were, were going to be going up. Potentially purchase more properties, leverage the shit out of yourself back in the day. Um, but yeah, I've done a pretty good job in that in the last uh, 10 years. I don't know. I, I, I think um, I've, I've been lucky I, I, because of where I was. And it's not just my personal side of things. I've helped a lot of people. That, that's, that's where I, I like to wear a big badge. A lot of people that I, because I've been working in this for 10 years, everyone that I help get into a home or into an investment property on that upward market have all made a killing. Um, they've all, a lot of them doubled, like 10 years ago, anyone that bought a property that I helped with doubled. They bought Blacktown for $500,000, now it's worth eight nine $900,000. So it was just a great time. And this is where buying the right property and where it should be comes down to importance. And not, not being taken down the road by some bullshit salesperson that just stands in the middle of Westfields. Yeah, just, I, I've been blessed. <laughs> so, yeah, no, well done, 10-year-old Hank. With such drive, motivation, and the desire to help others build their own portfolio as well as his own, we take a look towards Hong's exciting and undoubtedly achievable plans for the future. Next five years, um, the most honest thing is that I, we're hoping to finish another two developments and the, the journey will actually finish when I get to buy my home. So to, to be honest, I, I'm still renting at the moment. I, I rent in build because it's convenient to everything. The rent's cheap. It's like 600 bucks a week. All my money, because I couldn't uh, back in the day go off and buy my dream house back in the day, which is you know back in the day was a million dollars or something, I went the route of buying smaller investments and using the equity from that. 
And I always thought that in five years' time, I'd sell those properties and buy another home. But then um, market went up, I leveraged myself into other projects. In the next two projects, uh, this is my 10-year journey. I should be able to be able to buy my own home. This is a dream home where I have with my wife and my, my beautiful daughter. I should be able to buy that with cash. And uh, I think that I've been told once that probably one of the best investments that you can do is buy your home. I've heard one of the other tools is you can buy a home, renovate it, live in it for a year, flip it and sell it because there's no capital gains tax. There's no, and you can just keep moving and keep making and rolling the money forward and forward. So everything that I've done for the last 10 years will be to buy my home. And that's the price now because I've waited so long is price range is going to be $2 million, $2.5 million. So that's, that's end game. Um, and that's, that's, that's 10 years, 10 years of um, doing everything, making the right moves and doing that side of things. So, I think everyone's end game is the Australian dream to buy a home. Um, it's and investing is either to have a retirement or to get into the the home at one stage. Thank you to Hang Hong, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinveststory.com. Simply type in the search bar Hang Hong and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to register your interest. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. 1040. Thanks for listening.